Good morning. Good to be with you guys this morning. So we can turn to Genesis 21. That's where we're going to be this morning. It is always an honor and a privilege to share God's Word, and so today is no exception. Your pastor and I do go back quite a ways, and so I'll touch on some of that as we go through the study. So Genesis 21, uh, we've given the title Faith in Action, and it's at a time in the book where Abraham and Sarai, or Abram and Sarai, had had been challenged in different ways. Uh, they eventually had their their names changed, and a lot of things had happened in their lives leading up until now. You know, Genesis 21, if you remember Genesis 19, that was with the, the, the challenges they faced in Sodom and Gomorrah and what had taken place there. And, and God, uh, having called Abraham, as he was Abram back in Genesis 12. And so uh, we'll pick it up in Genesis 21. And if you're still flipping through, I just want to open up real quick in a, in a word of prayer. Father, even as we spend this time in your word this morning, Lord, we want our hearts to be open to hear you speak directly to us, but not only speak and receive your word, Lord, but to apply it every day in our lives for the things that you're showing each and every one of us to do, Lord. We pray you go before this time now. We pray that you and you alone would be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, we do want to thank you guys for your prayers, your support for sending teams and the ministry that takes place down there. And we'll get a little bit more. Uh, I'll talk about that more as we go through. But <clears throat> we'll just pick it up in, in verse 1 uh, of chapter 21. And so for this first section, the first point, if you're taking notes, uh, we called it a waiting faith. We're going to talk about faith this morning. And so I know a lot of us have questions about what that looks like. And really, I saw four four seasons of faith, four different um, ways that God works in our faith through this chapter. So we're going to do the best we can to get through it. Uh, verse 1 says, And the Lord visited Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah, as he had spoken. I think about that because oftentimes God reveals things to us. God has shown us his word. God gives us promises in his word. Some that we want to cling to and some that we don't. But but there's a time of waiting. And we know that uh, Abraham and Sarah had to wait quite some time for this to take place. They were They were given a promise a number of years back. They were told 25 years before that that they would have a son and we know that there were doubts we know that there was some some laughing and wondering if God really had that for them and now we're seeing it come to pass it's God's word coming to fulfillment and it's a it's an exciting time even when you look at your own life and you see what God is doing and you see his fulfilling of his word maybe it's not so exciting 
during these last days because of the, the, the junk that we see going on in society, the ugliness. And, uh, I, you know, yesterday I crossed the border, and I hadn't been to In-N-Out in a long time. And so I went and got my double-double. Uh, not that I needed it, but... And I posted a picture, and somebody said, is this a political statement? You know, and that's the day and age we're living in. Uh, for some, it is a political statement. You know, um, I wanted to fire back with something else, but the Lord held my tongue. Because it's easy to do. It's easy to do on social media to say stuff. And I'd rather just, I just enjoyed my burger and drove along and got stuck in traffic, made it to my destination, and here we are. But we're living in, in times where there's a lot of stuff happening. And uh, for the Christian, we, we should have joy in our hearts, even though it's, it's, the, it's the junk that happens before Jesus returns. Uh, I, I appreciated the sister in worship that said, you know, do you guys know that Jesus is coming soon? Are you ready? And, and we, we often say it, but we don't act like it. And, and we still get frustrated at the everyday things. And, and not that we shouldn't be concerned, but there's joy when you see God's word be fulfilled. And this is what's happening here. Verse 2 says, uh, Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son and in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. So the waiting is over. It's kind of nice. Uh, you know, we, we had four kids, and I saw my wife go through her pregnancy four times. Uh, praise the Lord, she never once had the morning sickness. But she still looked forward to that. I remember after the first one, she said, praise the Lord, never again. <laughs> and she said that for the following three. <laughs> but, you know, it's a, it's a time of rejoicing when that happens, and you just see, you know, the, the waiting is over. And for whatever that means to you, Maybe it's, it's, a, it's your last kid graduates from high school or college or, or gets a job or moves out. We still have all four at home. So uh, there'll be a time of rejoicing sometime. In the meantime, we're rejoicing that they're with us. And we know God always keeps his word. He's faithful. He's faithful. That's the one thing that we see here. He said this was going to happen, and it happened exactly the way he said it. You know, we're, we're going to doubt at times. We're going to look what happened with Abraham and Sarah. You, you hear the story often. They try to help God along. And, and Sarah said, get your maidservant, uh, Hagar. Um, for some of us older, Hagar used to be just a pair of slacks, but whatever. But she thought she'd encourage Abraham to have a son on his own and not in God's perfect timing. And they got in trouble for that. And we're going to see some of that come back to haunt them, so to speak, to come back and, and really challenge their walk because of what they did on their own. Uh, you know, we, we think about God's promises that say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How many of you believe that? Amen. Amen. How about the one that says, come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you believe that? All right. And in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. Do you believe that? 
How about the one that says, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Huh? You want to receive that one too? It's a promise. And, and so we do. We look forward to God fulfilling each one of those promises and all his word. And we, we know how the story ends, those of us who have read all the way through Revelation. We know what happens in the end, and, and God has victory. And it's just a matter of, of waiting it out often. Verse, verse 2 again tells us that she conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time. It's according to his will. A lot of times we think we have better ideas than God, and we say, I want to do it this way, or I want to have it done by such and such a date. But God's in charge. And, and that's something we need to remind people often. He's still on the throne, even though it doesn't look like it. Even though the, the ugliness is happening, the challenges all around us, and, and the darkness and the evil, God is still on the throne. And, and tragedies and, and families being lost to illness and other things. Uh, my best friend, who was my best man in my wedding, a year ago was on life support because of COVID. And the Lord pulled him out of that. And he didn't do that for everybody. Because we know that there are still memorial services and funerals because of COVID and because of other things, cancer. Uh, a friend of mine, I just found out days ago, has stage four colon cancer. I, I, I don't, he might be my age, he might be a year older. It's scary. It's scary to know that, that people right around me are losing their lives. And we're at that age. I'm at that age. And, uh, Yesterday we were with, I heard Raul Reese speak, uh, he spoke in Rosarito last week, and Raul Reese said, I like hanging out with the youth because when you hang out with the old people, all they want to talk about is what medication they're on. <laughs> Yesterday I was with a bunch of friends reminiscing about an old Bible study we had at Calvary Downey, an old Monday night Bible study, and who's been in, and, and, and it was a period of time, maybe 10, 12 years, and so I saw people I, I never even met. Uh, didn't know and and so sometimes it's fun to live in the past and see what God had done and but you know we move on and 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 people are talking about just that very thing hey I'm sick I'm going through health issues I'm you know but God is still on the throne and that's what we see here he he had promised them he had shown them that it was 25 years that they were in Canaan and and God had given them that promise that he was going to give him a son. And it happened. 25 years is a long time if you don't know it's going to happen in 25 years. You know, we, we, think, we think pulling up to somebody's house and waiting for them for five minutes is a long time. Because do I, do I honk? Do I tell them I'm here? You know, 25 years is a long time. Now, I had hopes of graduating from high school and then going to college, my favorite college, and I got accepted, and I thought, I'll finish in four years. By the time I'm 22, I'm graduated from college, uh, and I'll be set. Hopefully I'll have a job by then. If there's a woman in my life, great. I thought I wanted to be married at 24. Well, the graduating from college didn't happen at 22. It didn't happen ever. Uh, the being married at 24 didn't happen for another nine years later than that. And being a missionary was another thing that I looked forward to, and I thought, oh my, this is the greatest thing. 
being sent out by a church, going to a foreign country. You get to start a Calvary chapel in Spanish. What an amazing thing this is going to be. And five months later, I was back. And I thought, oh, wow. Now what? All the waiting that I had done to graduate from college, to be married, to be in the mission field. And now I have to wait to see what new plans God has for me. And it wasn't fun. I came back wondering, what does God want to do with my life? Can he use my life? I I didn't graduate from college, so I'm a failure. Uh, I, I bombed out at a church plant in Peru, so I'm a failure. Can, can God really use me again? And, and I was the butt of some of the jokes back at the church when I came back. And, and it was really hard. It was really hard, and I thank God, because God alone preserved me when no one else came by my side, to the point that I'm able to share this today. Uh, there are some horror stories about people who have returned from the mission field and not done well whether it was a short time that they were out or a long time, and people didn't come alongside of them and help them in their reentry program or stage, if you will. Verse 3 through verse 7, let's read that. It says, Abraham called the name of the son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was one, 100 years old, when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. Just like Trinidad said, right? She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Let me remind you of a verse in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 that says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so, again, uh, the lack of faith that Sarah had through all the waiting, and she's even questioning it now, you know, people are going to laugh with me. Can you imagine? I've, I've given birth to a son in in. She says Abram's old age. She didn't consider herself old. That's kind of nice. But, of course, we know Isaac means laughter. Circumcision, as God had commanded, was something that they did on the eighth day, which was obedience on Abraham's part. And oftentimes, sometimes we, with, with all the commotion, with all the excitement, with all the fulfilling of God's word, we, we forget there are some things that God has called us to do still. And this is the one thing that God always wants us to do, and that's to obey him. And, and he, he is just rejoicing over us when he sees his children's obedience. And so even if it was a practice like this of circumcision, it was a sign of the covenant between God and Abraham. And it was special. And it reminds us of that. God is the only one who can use a hundred-year-old man to bring joy and laughter to Sarah and would allow her to nurse in her old age. I, I don't think 
I don't know, maybe you might have, but I, I certainly wouldn't choose a 100-year-old couple to bring a child into this world to fulfill his promise. I, we, I wouldn't think like that. But it's an amazing thing because it just proves who God is. It, it, that's what God is in the business of doing. Miracles. Miracles. And, and we're living proof of that, are we not? We cannot look beyond the transformation of someone's life as a miracle. And, and certainly there's, there's more. Some of them are bigger miracles than others. But this was a true miracle, to see God's hand upon this couple's life, to bring life through that, to remind the people of who God is. Because aren't there a lot of things that, that people tell you you can't do? Your doctor and, and, and specialists and professionals and sometimes even our spouses tell us. There's no way that can be done. But God did. God did. Sarah was young enough to give birth to and to nurse Abraham's son. But here's the interesting thing. Even after Sarah dies, Abraham remarries, and he still gives birth to six other children. You're all, what? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's God. And that's the way God works. It's an amazing, amazing thing. You think, man, he's he's a hundred plus, and he's still giving birth. He's still having children. We get to verse eight, and the, and the story changes a little bit. We've kind of talked about a waiting faith, all that time of just waiting for God to do what He said He was going to do. Now. It says, the child grew and was weaned. Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. That's kind of that rejoicing, that celebration when your last child gets out of diapers. Remember that? And you're like, yeah, that's a money saver. That's a money saver. But they get to this point and Isaac is weaned. And so uh, not nursing anymore. It says, Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. So Isaac's brother, Ishmael, they think he's around 13. He's starting to make fun of Isaac. He's starting to scoff at him. Now, I don't think that's ever happened with any brothers and sisters, any siblings in your life, right? Nobody makes fun of anybody. I, I We have four daughters. I grew up in a family of... Of seven, there were five kids, and we went at it. Uh, sometimes it was the boys against the girls, and sometimes it was other pairing up. But I see my daughters, and they'll go at it all day long. And not in Jesus' name either. And then at night, at night, they're so funny. Okay, good night, love you. <laughs> at least it gets reconciled. But it happens. And here Ishmael is, is scoffing at Isaac. It says in verse uh, 10, Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. This is crazy. It's getting ugly now. The, the joy is gone of having a son and, and even weaning him. 
uh, now there's another stage happening in life, and and this is really where where your faith is put to work, uh, a, a working faith, if you will, in this section. And and really, what's happening with that time? that you are trusting in God and waiting for this to come to pass, and he's born, and now what? Well, Sarah says to, to Abram, you know, you got to send this woman away, her and her son, because it's going to be, a, it's gonna be a, 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 a nuisance to our family. He's going to bother Isaac, the son of promise. He's, it's going to be a real challenge for us to grow to develop, to be together as a family. Now, all you blended families, I'm certain there's a point of being able to identify here when other family members are involved and how hard it is, especially when there are unbelievers in that blended family or you're sharing custody and and the and the child goes away for a time and the other one is not a believer and then they come back and you have to retrain them we see that all the time we see, i was in i was in children's ministry before i left and and it was hard we battled with that and and blended families and so i i know it's a difficult thing what does that drive you to do and it should just be prayer that, that Abraham would go to prayer and really seek God for something like this. Because this is a big decision. This is a challenge. This is a reminder, really, of the work of the flesh. Even, even when we're rejoicing in what God is doing, there's still, there's still an enemy out there besides the world, besides the devil. It's the flesh. It's the flesh that gets up in, in, in just raring to fight back when something happens. And you want to defend, and you want to do what you think is best. And sometimes it's not. Let's read on. It says, The matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. It was still his son. Ishmael was his son. And so he's faced with a very difficult decision. Uh, my wife is asking me to send them away. My son would go away with my maidservant, who I committed uh, an error with by trying to help out God. What do I do here? And, and the beauty of it is what verse 12 says. But God said to Abraham. He spoke to him right then and there. We don't always get that. And sometimes there's more waiting involved. Sometimes the challenge of what's next? How do I do this? And, and, and I'm sure Abraham was, was pleased that right at that very moment, God spoke to him. And he told him clearly what to do. It says, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah said to you, listen to her, excuse me, listen to her voice. For in Isaac, your seed shall be called. And so he said, you're going to have to do a very difficult thing. 
you're going to have to send them away. And that's what's going to be best for now. Um, but Isaac is the son of promise. And this is what we're, what we're looking forward to. Those times that I mentioned to you, not being able to graduate from college, being sent back from Peru, and, and maybe other bad decisions I made in my life, I have to make, I have to suffer consequences. And that's the thing. I remember a, a, a particular brother just being frustrated, frustrated that uh, he couldn't see his son because the mother of his child wouldn't let him. And he would, just, he would just shake his fist at God, and how come God doesn't let me? I said, you made some bad decisions. Now you're, you're, you're reaping some consequences. She's not a believer. And, and sometimes we forget that. We think that God's going to fix it all. And, and not that God can't, and not that God hasn't, and not that God won't, but he just doesn't do it all the time, and he doesn't do it in our timing. And, and sometimes it just takes for us to deal with those consequences. And they're not fun. They're not fun, but it's part of life because we're, we're dealing with the decisions that we made before that that might not have had the wisdom of God in them. And you've got to make the best of those situations. I, I'm, one of the things that really blessed me and, and encouraged me to go uh, work and serve in Mexico at the training center uh, was through all the, the, the trips that we took out there and having seen the work that God was doing. Number one, there was uh, an intentional intentionality of people wanting to plant churches like I had not seen here in recent years. I, I mean, people do it kind of low-key or, or unless they're real popular and, oh, so-and-so left the staff of this church to go plant a church and He's just gonna, and it's just so different over there. These guys get trained up, they get blessed, they get sent out, and then there's follow up happening with them. That was one of the things, just to see how intentional people were about planning churches. More so was to see how many of those people that were planning churches were deportees. Deportees, that's right. Doesn't matter what political side of the wall you're on. God, in his sovereignty, already had chosen people that he was going to have deported to Mexico who were going to become on fire for Jesus to the point that they were going to plant churches. And I call those divine deportations. And, and it's just an exciting thing. More and more, I, I'll go home and tell my wife, hey, I met this. You know, is he a deportee? <laughs> you know, it's almost like your first question. It's just amazing that... Some of them maybe met the Lord here and then backslid and ended up in prison and deported. Maybe they made mistakes in their past and then they're walking with the Lord here, but their past got caught up to them and then they got deported. Or they got deported and came to know Christ in the prisons. Whatever it is, God knew what he was doing with these guys and it is incredible and encouraging and so you make the best of the situation you're in and those guys have some of them i'm sure when they first went across they were shaking their fist at god kicking and scratching and i don't know why you're doing this and maybe even hated god 
But God had a perfect plan for their lives, like he does for each one of ours. Verse 11. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. And then 12, but God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad, uh, because of the latter, because of the, the, the woman, whatever she says to you, listen to her voice. For in Isaac your seed shall be called. All right, verse uh, 13. Yet I will also make a nation of the son of the uh, the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. He also had a plan for Ishmael. And I'm sure that was comforting. God is on the throne. He says, "Send him away. By the way, I also have a plan for him. Don't worry." You know, when God called us to Mexico, I'd been going for 10 years to Mexico and leading mission trips. I'd been, in recent years, Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, Venezuela, Chile, Peru, Haiti, Nicaragua, Cuba, and just had wondered what God had. And the door opened because the director was leaving the training center and said, uh, Lord's calling us back to the States. You should pray about coming and being part of the work down here, 56 years old. And I thought, no. And everybody, of course, threw Abraham at me. And I said, yeah, but he was 75 when he got the word. I'll wait till I'm 75. Maybe 100 when he wants to fulfill the promise. And we had just bought a house in Santa Fe Springs. I was on staff for nine years. I was in charge of, I was the administrator, I was over the Spanish ministry, I was over the children's ministry, the ushers, and missions. And I thought, even my pastor said, I thought you and I would be here forever. And we'd be the last ones to put the lock on the gate (laughs) when all was said and done. And I never in my wildest dreams believed that at 56 God would call him. So we took a a week out for prayer and fasting, my wife and I. And God spoke clearly. Now, I will remind you that it is not cumbersome to read a text that you've read before. It's not cumbersome. Oh, Genesis 21. I know the story. I'm going to tune out. I read Genesis 12. I read parts of Genesis in my week of prayer and fasting. And God spoke to me like never before. Uh, Genesis 12 when he called Abraham. And I just thought, I went to church and I said, hey, I was reading Genesis 12. And I think the Lord's speaking to me. And then, and then another pastor looked at me and he goes, well, that's what I read today. Because that's where I'm at in my reading too. And so I thought, oh, well, maybe he's not speaking to me. And then I got to Genesis 21, and he reminded me of so many things and so many places of my life, and he was speaking to me. And in in Romans, he spoke to me. And and I, I tell you, don't ever look at a passage of God in a way that God can't use to speak to you. Look, Manny didn't give the full story. I'm 41 years in the Lord. Now you know how old I am when he said, I came to know the Lord at 18. 
I can't tell you how many times I've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I can't tell you how many times I've studied it, how many times I've taught it, but I can tell you that God wants to use his word to speak to you every time you pick it up, just like he does to me. And, and, and I never want to have that attitude that I've read this before. I know this story. I know where he's going with it. It's exciting to see what God wants to do. Verse 12, God said to Abraham, do not, oh, we already read that three times. 13, yet I will make a nation of the son of the bondwoman because he is your seed. 14, so Abraham rose early in the morning. This is amazing. Tough, tough decision. God tells him what to do, and he gets up early in the morning to do it. That's not easy to see his son off. And he took bread and a skin of water, and he put it on her shoulder. He gave it and the boy to Hagar, and he sent her away. Now, that's really a difficult time. Now, Hagar had been sent away once before, earlier in chapter 16, 17. And then God sent an angel to speak to her and said, what are you doing? Go back. And so this is the second time, but he's not saying go back. Now there's a real reason to go. And in a way, in a way, Abraham is having to sacrifice a son, is he not? He's giving up his son, sending him where he doesn't know where he's going. Now, when we first made the decision to go to Mexico, my two older daughters said, we're not going. Uh, But they were living with us, and they were in school full time. And I said, who's going to pay for the house? And so eventually, they came with us. And they've eventually found a place in ministry over there and and uh, But I felt, when I read this, I'm having to sacrifice my daughters for this. It's a sacrifice either way. My family's going to have to sacrifice to go with me. And, and, you know, we're not even at the end of this chapter. But at the end of the chapter, you're just going to go, man, look at all things he, he dealt with. What does Genesis 22 tell us? He has to sacrifice Isaac. And go through it all over again in a different way. Our faith is being tested all the time. And there's challenges, there's distractions, there's things that are always around us. And we just need to be ready. You know, always keep your guard up. Always keep your armor on. Always be ready for what the Lord might he throws curveballs. I know we don't want to talk about baseball analogy art. <laughs> but he does. He does. You're not expecting that. And he'll change things up in your life. It's crazy. And if you're not ready for it, you're going to be devastated. You're not going to be ready for it. And you're just going to go, now what? And then there's going to be the waiting all over again. So they get to this. He sends them off. And then this third section starts at the end of verse 14. I call it a wilderness faith. 
Pick it up at the end of verse 14. It says, Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. The wandering part is really, really interesting. She didn't know where she was going. She didn't know where she was going. How many of us have ever been there and just kind of said, Wow, what's next? I don't know. I don't know what the Lord has for me. I don't even know that the Lord has anything for me. What do I do next? Which way do I go? Verse 15. And the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. Then she went and sat down across from him at a distance of of a bow shot. For she said to herself, Let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite him and lifted her voice and went. You get to a place where all the water is gone. We don't know who drank all the water. But that doesn't really matter. They're out of water. They're, they're out there in a place where they just feel like there's nothing. And, and she doesn't want to see him die. She cries out. He cries out because the following verse says, God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven. And he said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. What a great question. I think that question's here for us this morning. What ails you? What's bothering you? What is it that's happening in your life that God can't fix? What is it? I think only you can answer that. But think about that. What ails you? And and then he says, fear not. For God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. There's the promise again. I have a plan. And my plan doesn't fail. God is always faithful to complete his work, his word, his plan, in his perfect timing. Nineteen. Then God opened her eyes. She saw a well of water, and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. Amazing. On the verge of death, crying out to God at the end of their lives, and God says, there's the water. Opens their eyes. You know, when we're having those difficult moments, here's living water. This is what we need to turn to. This is where we're going to get our assurance and reassurance. We're going to get our peace. We're going to get our comfort. We're going to get our strength. And we're going to get God to do what he wants to do in our lives. She went and filled the skin, and she gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew, and he dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He found a trade. He found work in a place where he was going to die. Oh my goodness, how many of us have ever been there? I'm going to die. This is it. This is it. There's, there's no turning back. There's, there's nothing. And then God does this incredible, incredible work. And he's providing. Watch what he provides next. He dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. He finds work, a trade, and a woman. How can he not be happy? 
And, and the story just takes you to a different chapter in life. But all along, we see God do this amazing, amazing work. Verse 22 to 34, I don't know that we have time to go through it all, but I'm just going to highlight a couple of things. This is where we've gone from a waiting faith to a working faith to a wilderness faith, and now we get to see a witnessing faith. Verse 22, it came to pass at the time that Abimelech and and Phicol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. What an incredible testimony that is. Somebody watching and knows that God is with you. God is with you. That's that's the, the, the life that we live before our family, before our friends, before our fellow employees, and everywhere else you go outside of these walls. That somebody could say, God is with you in whatever you do. And, and that should encourage you about how important your faith is and your testimony. Lord, this morning when I leave my house, help me to be a good witness on the road, getting to church and getting home. Help me to be a good witness during the week when I'm at work, when I get frustrated, when, when, I, when people are attacking me. What an amazing thing. God is with you in all that you do that people would recognize that because they see the hand of God on your life, even in the midst of tragedy. And then, let's go down to verse 30. 31. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba, so Abimelech rose with Phicol, the commander of the army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. So they come to this agreement about this land and who's going to do what there, and they decide uh, to make a covenant. And verse 33 tells us that Abraham planted a tree, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Where is your place of worship? Is it just here? Do you have an altar in your home? And I don't mean a stage and a shrine. Just a place that you can go to, to worship the Lord. Where do you go at work when you just need to go worship God. That altar, building that, planting that tamarisk tree. This is a witnessing thing. God is with you with all that you do, and then you give thanks to God, and you worship Him for all that He's doing.
Amen.